You guys can have a seat this morning. Well, welcome on this super Sunday around here. We're so glad that you chose to spend football Sunday uh, here uh, with us. If you don't know, my name is Rick. I get to be uh, the lead pastor here uh, today. And what we are continuing is our teaching series is how to survive in an upside down world. And it's actually just not about survival. We're actually talking about how to thrive. In a world that is upside down. And, and the way that I want to see, you know, we've been looking at this at different angles, right? We've been looking at how the culture that we live in is just like so, in so many ways opposed to God and following Him and the way that Jesus has called us to live our life. But it, there's also, this applies because our world sometimes gets flipped upside down, doesn't it? I mean, we've all been in those situations. And that's what happened. It was Monday night, it was January the 7th. Second uh, for Damar Hamlin. And if, even if you don't watch football, you heard about this because it was all over the news. You know, right after he makes that tackle, there he is laying on the ground. He's number three. He's laying on the ground. After he makes that tackle, he goes and stands up and then you just watch him. He just falls completely backwards. And medical attention surrounding him. And, the, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And finally they realize he's in cardiac arrest. His heart stopped beating. His world just got flipped upside down. And what is so amazing about when our lives get flipped upside down like that, whether or not you believe in a God, you see people kneeling and praying. You saw this, right? Live. This played out live before our very eyes where the team people, some of those people probably maybe don't even really know if. Right. But they're praying. Why? Because it's totally they, this is when you realize life is out of your control. And the announcers on whatever station you're listening to watching the football game on. Right. They're saying, hey, we just need to pray. Will you pray for his family? But there was one announcer, Dan, Dan uh, Orlovsky, who uh, announces for ESPN, NFL Live. He just didn't call people to pray. He did. He said, we need to pray. But he just didn't do that. He all of a sudden had this overwhelming feeling he needed to pray live. And he even voiced his concern. He thought, because he's wrestling with this. I mean, you imagine what's going through his head before he actually, actually launches into this prayer. Like, am I going to get fired for this? Like, am I, you know, am I, you know, is this, you know, he's just, all these things are struggling. He's thinking, but he still feels led. And if you heard his prayer or even read his prayer afterwards, what a confident, heartfelt but a prayer, but filled with humility. And as I thought about that, I thought, man, that, that the idea, the, the idea of confident humility. That even when, in the world that we live in, whether it's the culture that's opposing God, that we can live with a confident humility. Or whether it's our life that gets flipped upside down and we need a confident humility just to continue on. 
And that's what we're going to see in Daniel chapter 6. So will you take your Bible and go to Daniel chapter 6? The big idea that we're going to see right from the scriptures is this. Living in a rhythm of prayer empowers you with a confident humility. When you are living, you see why Dan was able to like just lead out in a prayer because he lives his life from a place of prayer. He, he's constantly, he lives in a rhythm of prayer. And that gave him this confident humility to be able to lead, to follow what the Spirit was leading. We sang those songs before, all about how this, you know, Spirit lead us. He is looking at his place of work and asking God to lead him in his place of work. And he's doing, and he is, he just leads out in this prayer. Where does that come from? Well, we're going to see in Daniel chapter 6 exactly where this comes from. It comes from living in a rhythm that empowers this confident humility. So, Daniel chapter 6, we left off at chapter 5 last week. This week, um, as we jump into 6, you're going to see immediately it talks about Darius in verse number 1. Remember, he's the new king. He's the one who we saw last week took over. The chap- chapter 5 ended by Darius, the Mede and the Persians. He conquers uh, Bab- Babylon. And, and he, as he conquers this, now what's he going to do? He's going to set up his empire a little bit differently. It says Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed high officers to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other uh, as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's Interest. You know what that means? He's talking about his money, right? He's like, man, I got to put people in charge so make sure I'm getting the right kind of revenue uh, coming in towards me. Well, so Daniel, now, I mean, just think about this. They got 120 officials that are in charge, but Daniel is one of three who's actually going to supervise, going to oversee these um, different provinces. And then Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Stop and think about this. You know, Daniel, remember in chapter 5, he had kind of been set aside, kind of in the background. And then, um, then Belshazzar, the king, then brings him up, you know, remembers, you know, how he lived his life. A lot of time had passed. Well, now this king shows up and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm tapping into this guy. There's something different about this guy. He's going to be a part of this team. And sure enough, he gets in this role and he continues to do well in this role. And here's what happens when everybody else is looking around when everybody else because the word leaks, right? The word leaks when you're going to get a promotion, the word leaks. You're going to have people looking at you and that's what happens. And then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling his government affairs. Isn't that what happens? You start doing well, it always brings out the critics. You know, it always, you know, if you handle yourself with, you know, with integrity, it brings out the critics. They're looking for a way. They want to point the finger at you. But look what happens with Daniel. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. We're talking about, you know, let's, uh, you know, fast forward to our era. You know, this is ancient history. Fast forward to our era. Can you imagine a politician that you couldn't find any fault? They're trying to dig up dirt on him, right? And, and they can't find any dirt on this guy. I mean, that's the way that he lived his life. And let me just say this. Man, 
South County, uh, those of you who are watching online, if you're a Christ follower and and you feel led or called into uh, politics, live like Daniel did and watch this this confident humility that we'll see continue to play out. And he 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 uh, performs his duties in such a way that no one can point a finger at him like he, he's 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 living with such integrity that they can't find any fault in him. Let me encourage you. If that's the way that you, you know, lean into politics, then can you lead like that? Or let me say this, whatever your role is in life, in business, uh, can you work like Daniel did? He was completely trustworthy. So here's what happens. They conclude, um, they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. And the way, the only fault we're going to find in this guy is the way that he worships his God. That's what they've concluded. So here's what they do. The administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. Uh, We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors and governors that the king should make a law. That will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, King Darius, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And that's ancient history. That's what they would do with you. It's not gel, it's the lion's den, right? So um, that they, they talk the king into this. And then not just like, hey, just don't like verbally make this. They want him to sign it into. And now your majesty issue and sign this law uh, so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. And Darius thought about this. King Darius thinks about this. And you know, this kind of like, Blows up his ego. He's like, yeah, yeah, people should ask me. I am the king in the place. I am large and in charge, right? And so he's like, yeah, sign, the, sign this thing, man. And, um, and he signs it. And then when Daniel hears about this, let's look at it in verse number 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, grabbed all of his Christ buddies, you know, all those who are following God, and had a big protest and say, like, how can you do this? You know, and threw a fit, you know. No, that's not what the Bible says. But he did have a lot of anxiety. No, that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is he went home and he knelt down as usual. He knew the law was there. That's okay. I'm just going to go ahead and worship God the way that God has called me to worship. You don't have to have all this anxiety about it. You don't have to bring all this attention to it. You just go do uh, and worship God the way that God has called you. And he went and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. How do you handle when the world is opposing God? Do you freak out and think, we got to do something about this? And there are right times. Let me you know, say that up front. Don't miss what I'm saying. There are times when we need you know, to call attention to things. Absolutely. But we don't have to freak out. And we don't have to you know, demand our way. We can do this with a confident humility. That's how we see Daniel handling this law that was put into place for 30 days. And again, I want to bring attention to where does that come from? It comes from living in a rhythm of prayer.
Now, I want us to come back to Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater um, is, a, is a guy who lives in a, from a rhythm of prayer. And I want you to listen to his uh, next story that we're going to share with you as, and, and watch, listen in there. One, listen for the humility that he has, but listen to how he shows up to his work. He sees it as, he just doesn't see it as work. He sees it as a way to worship God. He sees his work as mission. He sees his work as to bring honor to God through his work. No matter if you're a football player or, you know, if you work at Starbucks or you drive a school bus. It doesn't matter whatever your work is or if you go to school. Students, if you go to school right now, that's your work. And you can show up as trying, you know, your, your purpose is to honor God through that. Take a listen to Matthew Slater. When I think about my career, um, it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like How so? it's me. Uh, you know, I, my career has been so improbable. I think uh, there's no way to explain it other than God. I go back to my college career. I, I came in as a receiver. I never caught a single ball as a receiver in college. I never started a single game in college. Um, I was named All-American my senior year as a kick returner. but. You know, you look at my college career, you're thinking this kid probably doesn't have a future in football. Um, fast forward 12 years later, the Lord has opened up some doors and provided me with some out-of-this-world opportunities through the game of football. But, you know, when I sit back and I think about it, uh, the only explanation for my career and my success as an individual is God's grace and favor in my life and the mercy He's shown me. Um, and I'm just so humbled that He's used me the way that He has. So. I walk into work every day feeling like it's a gift, and I'm trying to take advantage of it. Um, I think it's important for me, especially now, to remember, as you said, this is just something that I do. This is my job. This is not my identity, and that's something that I'm really passionate about for myself personally, but sharing with other players, is that this is what we do, and all of us have jobs that we do. The Lord has given us opportunities to work crafts. He's given us different skill sets, and it's important for us to remember that everything we do we should do unto him. So for me, it's a form of worship when I'm in there squatting when I don't want to squat or I'm conditioning <laughs> when I don't want to condition because he's given me an opportunity to use my gifts to glorify him. So uh, this past 12 years, I hope that I've been a good steward of the opportunity he's given me. And I'm so thankful that he chose me uh, to do the things that I'm doing. But Matthews, don't you love that perspective that he has about his job, his work? And that his identity is found in who he is in Christ. And again, this comes because he has a relationship with God. And that's where Daniel finds this confident humility too. Looking back into the text, it says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. 
Now, um, we'll talk more about the type of prayer that Daniel was praying and all that it might involve as he opens his windows looking towards Jerusalem. Probably prayers of confession, probably prayers uh, to deliver them from oppression. Um, you know, all of that type of stuff. In a couple of weeks, we'll look at that type of prayer. But I, what I want us to notice is the rhythm. That he's living from. And the question is, do you, as a Christ follower, do you live from a rhythm of prayer in your life? So, here, if you don't, here's a chance for you. We want to invite the whole church, uh, Hope Church family, to be a part of the South County. We're talking to you. Those of you who are online and aren't able to join us here in person, then um, this is for you as well. Um, you know, coming up is 40 days of Lent. The Lent season is about uh, ready to be upon us. It's Wednesday, uh, February the 22nd. And you're going to hear people at school. You're going to hear people at your workplace start talking about, hey, what are you giving up for Lent? And some people are, you know, they don't even know what this even means. So I want you to be able to have this kind of conversation with them. All right. So what Lent is, is a time of prayer, fasting and reflection. It's a time of prayer, fasting and reflection. And what we're asking on February, uh, on this Wednesday, it's also known as Ash Wednesday. Um, and you'll see some people, you know, have, uh, have some, um, you know, ashes smudged on their forehead and the sign of the cross. Um, but it, it's, it's this, that's when it starts on that Wednesday and then leads all the way up uh, to Easter. And it's the time of prayer, fasting, and reflection. And here's what we're asking all of us so that we can all be on the same page. Is on, in the YouVersion Bible app, there is a 40-day devotional app on there. Now, some of you are like, I'm out. I don't have an app. Okay, well, good. Because we are going to print out the hard copies for you. Next Sunday, they're going to be available in person. So if you're online, you have to come here and grab it. Um, you know, in South County, we'll have hard copies for you if you don't have the app. But um, it's called a Daily Devotions for Lent, and it's by this organization, which is, oops, I just missed it. Um, it's, by, it's by this organization called First, uh, First 15, You Can Experience God. That's the organization that publishes it, just to make sure that you're on the right one. But next week, we're going to have that link available for you if you're on Church Center app. If, uh, we'll have the hard copies available for you. Um, but here's what I'm asking you to do. Will you take time now until that Wednesday, and will you start thinking about the rhythm that you're going to put into place? Because you having a time. Notice that Daniel had a place. He went to his upstairs room. There was a window. He opened it, and it faced Jerusalem. Um, he went there three times a day. He had a time. He had a place. It was a rhythm that he lived from. And, and that enabled him, that empowered him to live with a confident humility. Prayer, fasting, and reflection are nothing more than a vehicle to get you to the destination. Prayer is not the destination. Fasting is not the destination. Reflection is not the destination. You know what the destination is? Intimacy, oneness with God. That's the destination. And these are just vehicles to get you to the destination of being one with God and, and developing your relationship with Jesus. So I hope that you will really start to develop. And if you can do it for 40 days, you have developed a habit. And you can keep this going. 
And this will help you to live and not just survive. This will help you to thrive in an upside down world or when your world gets flipped upside down. This will allow you to be able to have a confident humility like you've never experienced before. So I hope that you'll be a part of that. So back in the text, in verse number 11, when uh, the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying, just like Daniel always had done, and, and asking for God's help. He, he like defied the law. He didn't do what the law said. He's just worshiping like he normally does. And they go back, they tell the king, and when they tell the king, notice what the king does. The king, is, uh, hearing this, the king was deeply troubled like there is something wrong why because all you know what um the the idea here isn't that, that he's worried about daniel which he is he's troubled because now he realizes these guys that he has brought to to advise him have actually pulled a fast one on him now he understands what they were trying to do because they were jealous against daniel and again i want to tell you jealousy that, that's what that was. They, you know, that created this jealousy in them. And jealousy is dangerous. Anytime you start pointing the finger at somebody else, you see their social media post and you think, hey, how come them and not me? How come they can and we can't? Anytime you get to that place, that's a dangerous place to be. We all, that's in all of us. And we have to deal, we, that's why reflection is so important. Reflection will bring that out in you, and then you, and that will keep it at bay. And it will lead to bitterness. And bitterness will tear you apart from the inside out. So, here it is, full blown, and now he's now, now the king is troubled by what they have done. He's, but he's like, I'll deal with them later. Right now, he's worried about Daniel. He tried to think of some way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. So, at last, the king gave the orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And here, the king says to him, May your God... I mean, can you just imagine his last words before being thrown in there is may your God, not the pantheon of gods that King Darius believed in and worshipped and all that was in his culture, not any of them. He doesn't call on any of their names. He calls on Daniel's God. May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And then a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> the stone being rolled up. Isn't that what they did to Jesus on the, when they buried him and they sealed it, set guards up? I mean, there's some similarities here, right? And, and it's really, it's all up to God. It's in the power of God. Only God can rescue this. Well, the king, the king, the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. And then, oops, early in the morning, the very next morning, the king got up, hurried out to the lion's den. You know, he orders it to the, the stone to be unsealed, order, orders the, the stone to be rolled back, and he calls in. He got there. He calls out in anguish. You can just hear, you know, the, the, the weight that this king is carrying on him. Daniel, servant of the living God, 
Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? I mean, if you're a storyteller, this is like the climactic moment, right? I mean, it's almost like there's this impregnated pause, silence. He's waiting to hear. Is he just going to hear lions growling? And all of a sudden, a voice calls out, Long live the king! My God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Wow. He is rescued, and he has a confident humility about this whole thing. He didn't know. It could have been the end of the road for Daniel. He's in his 70s. It could have been the end of the road for Daniel here. But God rescued him. He went into it with a confident humility but God rescued him. And as a result, now, we talked about those guys that were like jealous, pointing the finger, the, the, the critics. The king takes out his wrath on those guys. And he has them delivered there. And do you know what? It wasn't just them. See, because this is what jealousy does. Jealousy affects those around you. And those around those guys got the same punishment that these guys did. They all got thrown in there. Their families got thrown in there. Jealousy will wreak havoc in your life. And we have to guard against it. Well, the king then turns and he signs this big edict out to everyone, sends it out to all the known world, if you will, at that time. And, he, and, and in part, this is, this is just part of what he says. It, when it says he, it means God. It, this is from the king, King Darius, telling all the people, and it says all nations, all tribes, all languages. He, God, or King Darius wanted to make sure that everyone knew who uh, this God, Yahweh, who uh, Daniel serves, who he is. He says he rescues, God rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. Because King Darius was an eyewitness of all of this. And it's like, oh my gosh, that is like the real God. He rescued, God rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And here's my question for you. You may not be in a, a literal lion's den but you need to be delivered from the power of something and God has that power to rescue you he has the power maybe not to make it go away but to see you through it just like that song I, that song that we sang famous for God's got a track record for bringing his people through fire for bringing his people through a lion's den. He's got the track record for bringing his people through when they are barricaded by water, parting the Red Sea and walking through on dry ground. God has that kind of power. What is it that you need to be rescued from? What is it in your life? Don't you want the kind of confident humility that Daniel had? He didn't know the outcome. Daniel didn't know the outcome. 
But there was still a confident humility in Daniel as he faced the lion's den. You can have the same thing. And that's why on the next steps. So um, if you're here in Cranston location, grab the connection card. It's in this chair in front of you. Just look in that chair in front of you. It's right there. Pull that out, please. I'm asking everybody to grab the connection card. And I want us to look at these next steps. If you're online, there's a link for the next steps. In South County, Pete or James will be handing you. Or if they haven't already, they'll get you a connection card. So um, you can let us know how to pray for you. The first next steps is this. I want to live in a rhythm of prayer that will empower me with a confident humility. I will use this upcoming season of Lent to start this practice. Will you commit to that? And we want to pray that you will. We want to pray for you as you seek through, as you try to understand what is it that I'm actually going to fast from. Hey, listen, that prayer, fasting and reflection. I want you to think about this for fasting. So many times people think food when it comes to fasting. And yes, that could be part of it. But here's what I want you to think about. Maybe for you, that fasting is social media. Well, no, I can't fast from social media, man. That's my life. No, that's the point, right? What if you took 40 days to fast from social media and use the same amount of time that you use spending scrolling Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, whatever you are on? What if you use that same amount of time and you read the scriptures? What if you were seeking God and saying, God, speak to me? And if you spent the same amount of time in that week that you did on social media with God, connecting to him, because that's the destination. The destination is a oneness with Jesus. How would that change your life? And would you walk away? Would you be able to walk into your week with a confident humility? Because you've been with Jesus. I'm telling you, it will change your life. I encourage you. We want to pray for you. Let us know if that's your next step. The other next step says this. I'm struggling with jealousy and it's affecting all areas of my life. You may not even know it's affecting all areas of your life. Trust me, it's affecting all areas of your life. I promise you that. And I want to encourage you to bring this before God. I want to encourage you to ask God to reflect in your heart. And instead of you always pointing and saying, you know, why, why them and not me? That you would just be like, okay, I'm okay, God, with where you have me. I'm okay. And you bring that to God. You'll see a change in your life. We want to pray for you. So let us know if this is your next step. The, the third next step that's on there says this. The first step in humility before God is acknowledging my need for a Savior. See, some of you, and maybe you're online, maybe you're in South County, maybe you're right here in this room. But some of you haven't really acknowledged your need for a Savior. That's the first step of humility towards God. is to say, I need a Savior. My sin has kept me separated. I need to confess. We would love to have this conversation with you and to help you to understand what this looks like. If on that connection card you'll put your name and your phone number, we'll reach out to you and, and have that conversation with you. 
Now, with these connection cards, we're asking you just to take them, put them into the offering boxes on your way out. Put them in the offering boxes in this room. If you're online, they'll be submitted right into the office. If you're at South County, give them to James or Peter, and they'll make sure that our office gets those. And this week, here's what I can promise you. If you put one of those connection cards in there, we will pray for you this week. I promise you. Father, whatever... Whatever the next step is for each of us, make it clear. It may not even be one of these three. Jesus, you may be leading someone in another way. Just make it clear to them. And Father, we pray that you'll bring about transformational change in their life, please. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your track record, your history. And thank you for what you have promised to do in our life today. We love you. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.